This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. Look, before we start this episode of the James McMahon Music Podcast, I need to tell you something. I need your help. I need you, when you finish with the episode, to go to the platform you've listened to this podcast on and give me a rating, a review, and to subscribe too. It helps me cheat the algorithm and get more ears on the podcast. And know this, I'm very grateful for it. Also, I have a substack where I write about music and film and telly and all sorts of stuff. I love it if you sign up for dispatches. There are different price options, five quid a month, 50 quid a year, and for that, you get access to loads of exclusive writing and podcasts. It's the most helpful thing you can do to support the stuff I make. And again, I'd be so grateful. That's spook.substack.com. That's spook with three O's. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank Jesus. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system. Oh, swanky new intro. You're listening to James McMahon Music Podcast. And I'm your host, James McMahon. And this is a Spook Media Production. Pizza, 180 seconds to your plate. The Chicago Town Deep Pan Pizza, America's best-selling frozen podcast. During the first few minutes of this podcast, an interview with the great Dan Andriano, the heart and soul of Alkaline Trio, one of my favourite bands ever. You can tell I'm nervous. But we groove into a really nice chat about Dan's new solo record, Dear Darkness, out now an epitaph with a bit of help from his backing band, The Bygones but also about the dichotomy all creative types feel between doing and resting, where that gorgeous, sombre, smooth, inherently sad voice box of his comes from, punk beginnings, fatherhood, and when we might expect Dan, in his solo guys at least, in the UK. Yeah, I was pretty nervous doing this one. I love the man's songs. It was a total buzz doing this episode. Chicago! I've been playing the new record right up to the last minute. I wish I was a little bit better versed in it, but it's really amazing hearing a, a full record of your songs again. It, uh, it feels like it's been a while, but it hasn't really, is it? I guess it's been a minute, you know, but, and thanks, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean, I was definitely coming out of my skin. I mean, I felt like it was time to do something for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm sort of saying, though, really, is it doesn't really feel like... Doesn't really feel like you take a lot of time when you're not creating. Do you think that's fair to say? Um, I guess. I mean, it, it, when I look back, I think you you're right. You must be right because I feel like there is a decent amount of stuff out there. But I feel like I've I don't know part. Of, I feel like I've blown a lot of time. You know, I feel like uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe too many records would be you know maybe that'd be a bad thing but um i definitely feel busy you know but between alkaline trio and and the other stuff i stay pretty busy i guess really interesting actually that you just said that about feeling like you've blown a load of time i mean 
you know, my friends, my wife, you know, the person who knows me best in the world will always say to me, God, it's amazing how busy you are, podcasts and writing and making music. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it's amazing. But I, I, I look at my life and go, I could have been doing more then, or that was a, that was a year where my head was somewhere else or whatever. Is that a little bit like what you're saying? Absolutely. Do you think that's realistic though? Or do you think that is just kind of almost like how you're wired? Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I think I could be a little more proactive in a lot of ways, but I also think that um, I, I'm, I'm wired enough to know at least internally that um, I can get worked up about stuff and excited and sometimes too much where I almost get uh, manic when I'm involved in like a project and I get very like one track minded about things. Um, so I, for the most part, I've been lucky, like internally, I think I know maybe I need to step back for a little bit or take a break and chill or do something else. You know what I mean? And then having um, the other whole side of that coin also is just trying to be a good father as well, sort of requires me to not, you know, I just don't have the option to just isolate myself and and work or isolate myself and 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 just be a lazy slob or what you know what i mean like i so many things that i i could see myself you know like alternate you know universes or whatever um but uh i just i don't really have those options you know because i don't want to be a shitty dad yeah no totally good on you um do you think that's uh i mean i, I don't have kids it's uh I'm I'm at a point in my life where that conversation is kind of happening, and I think that sometimes you know my productivity, my my creative productivity is increased, almost knowing that at some point soon my time won't solely belong to me. Um, when you had kids, did that reframe the time that you had to create? Um. It just put a, a little bit of perspective or a little bit of more like reality on things. Like it was more about someone else, you know, completely more about someone else for the first time, really. Then, you know, all I had to worry about was me and um, and me for a long time. And then my wife and I, but she's obviously an independent person and can take care of herself. Uh, but it, yeah, it just puts a little more down to earthness to how I look at things. Now I look at my time. Like I, I had to learn to compartmentalize a little bit in writing. Um, I wouldn't say I felt like uh, a lot of pressure to get as much done. I just, I just try to make the most of the time when we are doing stuff. You know what I mean? Like if we're going to go out on tour, I want to go out on tour and hit, you know, every market we can and then go home. For a long time, I don't necessarily want to be going back and forth and, you know, doing all this or whatever. Or if we're in the studio, I want to actually be working and not just, you know, looking at menus or places that we could order for lunch and then telling stories about other studios with, you know, it, yeah. there's a lot of time wasted in that whole industry. Um But I, I like to, you know, if I'm somewhere to do something, I like to be doing that thing which is usually trying to either play a song or make a song. I was reading how uh, during the pandemic, 
you know, are we in the pandemic? Are we out of the pandemic? But, you know, in the early days, in the early stages of it, uh, you know, and it's traditional to almost ask what people were up to during that time. But I was reading about how you were, uh, how you almost sort of focused on being a better musician. Um, tell me a little bit about that that thought process. Well, I mean, I love to learn about music and I'm constantly, you know, always trying to learn new stuff and being in a band with Derek, our drummer, you know, he's always been really, he's got a crazy good ear and he can just listen to something and know how to play it on guitar, on drums, whatever. Um, and it's a special talent, obviously, but, you know, through him, I've learned a lot about music, but I never really learned that much about but really try to learn that much about like theory and things like this. But, you know, my daughter is at an age where her music education is, has taken her, you know, into like musical theater and her knowledge is pretty vast uh, when it comes to like uh, piano and harmonies and, you know, and, you know, key, different keys and scales and things like this. She knows way more about music than I did for most of my life and uh but it's a it's a lot of honestly it's a lot of me like listening over her shoulder when she's on a zoom piano lesson like i i'm taking advantage of a lot of that i'll be like walking around the house quietly because she's on a like i said like a zoom lesson and uh i'll be tiptoeing around like collecting the the trash or whatever from the various bedroom but i'm listening to him tell her about you know explain to her why this is a seven chord or what you know how the this and that works and it's that kind of stuff sticks with me and then i'll sit down with her after and talk to her about it and it's fun you know what i mean because i'm learning with her things that i sort of already knew but now i'm trying to figure out i'm learning like why they are that way or you know how how certain songwriters make their sound you know what i mean like why the beatles had these chords in their songs that like no one else used you know what i'm saying like things like this and why you know, it's just just different stuff trying out different stuff you watched the get back documentary yet i've watched the first part i'm ready to watch the rest of it i loved every second of it i've actually watched the first part twice but i thought i was going to be watching the second part with you know how this goes where you think you're going to watch it with someone like I thought I was going to be watching it with my wife. And then it turns out, you know, she's not as interested in getting through the whole thing as I am. And I was kind of waiting on her, but now I'm just, I'm ready to, ready to rip. I'm going to watch that second part. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just alchemy, man. It's like, I mean, I always feel a bit like with the Beatles as well. Like they were so, because of the moment they arrived at, it was like, they were sort of, I don't know, it's weird. It's like music is like, uh, you know, chords and scales. Like that stuff is, uh, that stuff is very, old, very, very old now, right? That kind of way of thinking about music. But because of the juncture that they swung around at, it was like, and also even that, just that whole era, like Stones, Dylan, Beach Boys. Um, yeah. You had like, it's funny, like you say, it, it almost seems like an antiquated notion or whatever, like, these days, a lot of things are digitized or available <clears throat> without really having to understand. But they knew about music 
and you had to be really good <laughs> at music to be successful at, for a certain time, you know. And unfortunately for me, I was able to get by with just, you know, being able to like play and play by ear and hopefully play something that sounds good to other people. But I don't really know why I was doing it or what I, you know, I knew if something wasn't in tune or if something was dissonant, but I, I didn't even necessarily knew, know about, okay, I'm in right now, if we're all playing in G, this is where I can go and this is what I can do. Uh, and all of that stuff just makes your life so much easier, just spending a little bit of time and learning it. And, uh, you know, I feel like a real dope. And I'd feel even dumber if I didn't know, like, all the people that I came up with, we all learned music basically the same way. So um, <clears throat> it wasn't just me, but, uh, yeah, man, does it make things easier. You know, my way into music was, you know, punk, which I imagine is the same for you. And uh, yeah, yeah, and like about being like self-taught, it was everything was do it yourself, even like learn how to play music by yourself. Yeah, Just punk for your own good, and then when we got good at playing our own songs, then we just went on tour and played our own songs. You know, I, I as I got older, obviously, I started to try to learn covers and try to learn how other people do things and and why but never necessarily you know always more just like in in mimicry rather than in like fully understanding yeah i think though as well like i mean did you feel i'm, I'm maybe projecting my own experiences here but did you ever uh, feel were you ever almost sort of suspicious of musicality um Yes, but probably for the wrong reasons. You know what? I think I was afraid of like pop, the pop machine. And uh, I think I probably equate, equated the two unfairly. Right, right. And, um, you know, like, uh, and also like probably subconsciously because I've always like kind of appreciated like music, even, you know, like, I wouldn't say I sit around and listen to classical music or jazz or anything, but I, there's things that I like about all the different kinds of music. And <clears throat> um, so anything musical, I don't know that I'd necessarily be scared of, but I definitely was caught up in a certain uh, mindset for sure. That punk rock do it yourself mindset. I mean, it's a little bit of a sham as well. I mean, I, I, I credit punk rock for, you know, giving me so much. I was trying to write something about it last night and it was almost like it sort of gave, it felt like it gave me permission to do things that I felt like I wasn't allowed to do. That was the, the wonder of it. But at the same time, you know, when you start reading about like the Pistols or, you know, that kind of 76, 77 crew, like they were all listening to like reggae and Pink Floyd and stuff anyway. They just weren't talking about it. Right. And yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Pistols, they were almost like this crazy project. Like it's this, you know, that's a, its own entity in its own, but then other band like the clash. I mean, they were pretty great, but they were sort of subduing their playing. I feel yeah, a little yeah. bit playing down, but then, I mean, the damned, uh, they were ripping and they were yeah. doing it. Um, they were definitely, not afraid to like 
show their chops and they were trying to do that and still be punk and um it's interesting why yeah. you know maybe yeah. that's why they weren't bigger than they were maybe maybe my uh my wife manages uh manages bands and 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 producers and one of the producers that she is working with is in the studio with the damned at the moment oh, so, man. so when i from yeah so when i go in the living room to make a cup of tea she'll fill me in on the exploits nice. of captain sensible and, and what's not so me and my friends you know me and my really close friends we've, we've, we've been trio fans you know for years like they were, they were kind of our band and you know we were We'd always sort of talk about, you know, our favourite songs. And we always had a thing, like, we really liked your songs, right? The thing with the, your songs was that they were balanced to, like, Matt's, you know? Like, I think that's one of the things that makes Trio special. And I think we always had this thing about your voice. And I think the thing with your voice is it's almost like you have this really uncanny ability to almost make anything that you sing sound melancholy. There's just a sort of a, I don't want to say a sadness, but just the way that you sing makes. <laughs> That's make, funny. The little black rain cloud. Y- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is, <laughs> do you do you think that is like, I don't know, almost like a conduit to your personality, or is it just is it just something that's in your in your larynx? I I hope not. I mean, I do know there's something in my larynx uh, that makes. You know, there's something there that I, it's been kind of a, I don't know. I need to get it out of there. I got a lot of low mid, if you yeah. understand. Yeah. Equalization. Yeah. Um, I'm all low mid. And so that might have something to do with it. Uh, but it's definitely a warmth there that yeah. can be too much. And maybe that's it, but. I don't know. Or maybe it's the melodies that I write. Maybe it's, uh, but I try not to be too melancholy all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean it's, it's not, it's not like typo, ne- it's not typo negative or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, it's kind okay. of, it's, yeah, it's, but it's, um, I don't know. No, it's good. But I also just sort of wondered whether, I don't know. I don't know. Just sort of like, I think that's one of the things that's amazing about songwriting is that it is like an expression of, of ourselves. And I wondered whether sometimes you, your voice almost sort of shackled you to a mood. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, I try not to be. I really try not to be. On that subject, though, I mean, the name of the record is, the name of the new record is, you know, it, it implies a, a, a sadness. Uh, am I off base with that? Uh, slightly, actually. I mean, um, it's almost, it's more about it in attention getting, um, it's like a letterhead, like dear darkness, comma, uh, as opposed to my dear darkness or, or, you know, something like this. So in that context, um, that's kind of what I was going for. And it's, it's a little bit of me, uh, me saying I'm, I'm no longer, you know, I'm no longer looking for that. I'm not trying to be in these dark situations. I'm not trying to be up all night, you know, drinking away ridiculous, you know, for me bullshit. Like, uh, right. And I'd like to pursue some happier and some healthier times, you know, and that's, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like, you know, I think if you, if you look for the darkness, 
it's not going to take you long to find it, you know, and, and it gets harder and harder to dig yourself out. And I'm speaking about like depression and things like this. And I know it's tricky and I know that um, it's not an easy fight, uh, but I just know for a long time. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking about like alkaline trio and things like this. I'm, I just mean personally like dark, uh, just dark endeavors, dark, personal things and bad habits and things like this. Um, yeah. You know. That's, that's super interesting. Actually, cause I hadn't, I hadn't framed it that way. And I, I guess like say with trio, right. Cause you know, trio, you know, it's almost, almost as a sort of a, a bit of like a perception of being a, a, a band that kind of plays with dark imagery, but I've always sort of seen trio. Oh, yeah. I've always seen be Dracula's. Exactly. I've always, but I've always seen trio as almost sort of like, almost like the monsters or something, you know, it's like, it, there's, there's some, there's some fun in that, but yeah. I get, but I guess that, I mean, I'm super interested in kind of like the mental health discourse and, you know, I've, I've had stuff with OCD and mental illness. And, and one thing I despair of with that, with that conversation is how it's almost like it, it's okay to not be okay. Where I'm a bit like, no, you deserve to be okay. Like you should demand to be okay. So actually, it's almost what you're saying is that it's almost kind of like, no, I'm, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to try to be happy. Well, I'm going to try, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm at least going to say goodbye to those, you know, to the darkness and hope for better times. You know what I mean? It's, it's a hopeful sentiment for sure. No, that's good. Thank you for uh, contextualizing that a little bit. Where, where yeah. did you, where did you record the record? So I recorded at District in San Jose, California. It's actually the same place that I recorded the last uh, emergency room record called Party Adjacent. Right. And, but, um, I, same engineer, Ryan Paris, and he uh, he mixed and uh, recorded this whole thing and mastered it. He's a monster. He does everything. Who are the, who are the players on the record? So this was Randy and Dylan Moore. Um and then uh, Nick Kenrick from the band Get Married. Also, uh, he uh, he played keys. He came in and and uh, whipped through those key parts pretty quickly, which was very impressive. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it was me and Randy and Dylan in there. Randy played guitar, and he's going to be with me on tour. And uh, Dylan is Randy's younger brother. He played the drums on the record. Do you have plans to get to the UK? You know, I don't, but I'm I'm trying to make that happen. So I have plans to make plans. Like I have plans to book a tour. I really want to get over there, but um, what I, I want to not just go to the UK. I'd really like to go play in the UK and maybe play in Germany as well and a couple other places, um, you know, because it's, it's not cheap to fly a five piece band over there. Um, so I would like to do it all in one shot, but, um, you know, I'm waiting out this COVID bullshit for a little bit longer until hopefully some of the protocols ease up. And at least the countries within the EU have a little more of a consistent, um, protocol. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. A set of rules. Um, but you know, if it's, uh, if it's looking like shit is still going to be weird, um, I'm I will just come to the UK because I got to get over there at some point. 
you know. But I'm hoping at the very least, yes, 2023 will be a good year for me over there to do quite a bit of stuff, actually. Cool, man. Cool. But I'd really like to be over there before the end of this year, realistically. But yeah. I have yeah. to also I have to be realistic that if nothing is booked yet, it might be tricky, but I could get on that quick, quick like a bunny. I've never heard that. I've never heard that phrase before, quick like a bunny. Is that a phrase? I've just made it up. No, it's good. Good. I'm gonna use I'm gonna use that. Um, well, listen, I believe I've heard it. Listen, I, I can do better than that, but they can't all be home runs, you know. Yeah, no, it's good though. Quit like a bunny. I like it. Um listen, Dan, thanks so much for uh, speaking to me. Um and I I love the record. I, I really want to spend some more time with it. But um I look forward to uh seeing you in a music venue sometime in twenty twenty three. Hell yeah. If not before, let's cross our fingers. <laughs> Well, that was episode 39 thanks to Dan for the chat thanks to Emma Van Dykes for hooking us up the theme tune is by the band Jobbers and I'll see you Chicago with the name Beatles and what does it really mean John thought of the name Beatles and he'll tell you about it now <laughs> uh, it, does, it means Beatles doesn't it you know it, that's just a name you know like shoe it means shoe the shoes you see we could have been called the shoes for all you know